This is a Showbile podcast. Welcome to episode two of Bucks on Nuts, a show where we discuss the hottest topics in sports and give our opinions on the latest sports news. We also love to gamble here, so we'll be sharing what gambling picks we think are going to hit in the upcoming sporting events. And sometimes we get caught up in just completely different conversations and just shoot the shit a little bit. I'm Ty Demera, and we appreciate you being here. And before we dive right into today's topics, let's just check in on the boys here. How are we doing, DK and Stewie J? I, I'm doing great today. I mean, I think it was a great weekend of sports between the Masters going off. There was MLB opening weekend. The NHL's in full flight. NBA's in full flight. Everyone's coming down to a playoff push. I don't know if there's almost, I mean, other than the first weekend of March Madness, this is the best time in like best month for sports. April is all time best month for sports. Hundred percent. How are we doing, Stu? Not too bad. Had a good weekend on the on the Bet Three Six Five this weekend, so made a few bucks, a few hundred, if you will. So if every weekend goes like this, then I could start calling that passive income. <laughs> right on. Well, we've seen uh, some unreal things happening too in the UFC and sports all around. But uh, why don't we start with some hockey talk? You guys are both Leaf fans. And we've seen Austin Matthews, you know, last podcast we were talking about him scoring his 50th. DK was saying how he's probably going to be going for 60 soon and it's looking more and more likely. Who knows? Maybe this guy's going for 70. But uh, how'd you guys feel about uh, him breaking Vibe's record there? First time uh, someone's scored more than 50, I think, in what, like 30, 40 years or something in Toronto? Yeah, I think Vive held the record for, I think it was like 38 years, maybe 37 years, something like that. And the crazy thing is, is that Matthews, if there was no pandemic the last two seasons, Matthews would have broken this record two seasons ago. Then he would have broke his own record last year. And then he would have broke it again this year because this guy is trajectory is just out of this world. He's one of the best players in the league without any question. Like I'd put him up there with the McDavid's McKinnons. I'd put him up there with the best players in the league and take a vote on it because game in game out. I, in my lifetime, I've never seen a leaf dominate like this. What about Phil Kessel, though? He's a beauty. <laughs> Phil, Phil dominated in his own way, man. Like, I can't even chirp Phil. I loved Phil. If you could just get past that he doesn't go in a corner, he's not going to hit somebody, he's not really going to work that hard, but God damn it, could that guy shoot the puck? <laughs> that was, that was Some, Phil Kessel. Something, oh, 100%. I remember seeing, like, a Sands and Leafs game in person, and when Phil Kessel had the puck, it was, like, scary moment. Like, I was worried, like, he's going to go down there, and the puck was on and off his stick in a second. And Matthews is that times like 10, I feel like. Like, I see him with the puck, and this is coming from a Sens fan, too. And, like, you guys are going to feel the same way about Jimmy Stew in a few years when the guy has the puck. It's going to be scary. You're like, oh, what's he going to do with it, right? Like, what was that goal Matthews scored against Dallas there where he just walked from the red line in and around everyone? The OT winner. Made them look silly. Yeah, the the speed that that he carries. And then he's making it look like, you know, he's playing AAA against a bunch of house league players or something. Like, he is out there schooling kids. Kessel is nowhere on the same planet as Matthews, though, no. even when he was a <laughs> No. Ke- Ke- like, Matthews scores in so many ways. He's always in the right spot, and he's just got, he's lethal from anywhere, right? I just remember, I was a kid, but I remember Kessel. Like, every goal is pretty much either off the rush or it was one of those button curls on the half wall on the power play, and you just go glove side every time or short side every time. 
I was going to say, watching Phil Kessel used to frustrate the shit out of me. Like, me and my dad would watch this guy. He'd skate in over the blue line, and at least six times a game, this guy would take a shot that ramped up a defenseman's stick and went out of play, and he just skated back to the bench, went to the bench, and he'd always look like yeah. he was just gassed. Was like, <laughs> Phil, that was a 27-second shift in the first period. Like, why are you so gassed? And there's another shot into the stands. Like, it was just Phil Kessel was, he was his own guy, man. Like, I love him because it's just like, a character and then when they did the 24 7 thing and then they just showed him that like he gets off practice early just so he can get to the ping pong table in the yeah. room to rip ping pong like dude the guy was an absolute legend but no matthews is on his own planet in terms of this so when i was younger like i remember growing up watching matt sundin and people talking about you know matt sundin's amazing and he's this and he's that matt sundin isn't even in austin matthews stratosphere like he he is in my opinion the best leaf of all time already and he doesn't even have all the records yet, whatever else, but he's going to have them all by the time this contract's over. He's in likes with, with that goal, uh, his two goals last night, he's got 51 goals in his last 50 games. Nobody's done that yeah. since Mario Lemieux. Like what? That's insane. Like what are we talking? Like that's insane to me. This guy is in the same category as a goal scorer like Mario Lemieux. Like he might You think be he'll be able to keep this up though, like for the rest of his career? Is he going to keep doing this or like you know what he he reminds me of is almost like a Danny Heatley in in his prime in Ottawa scoring fifty goals, oh, and um, no, maybe you know you're you're gonna make the argument it's it's been a long time since then too, but you're gonna argue against me there. But I wonder if Matthews you know has a few good seasons and then he starts slowing down. You know if they don't make a cup run this year, is he gonna start getting <laughs> discouraged and be like I hate playing in Toronto. I want to trade. I want out of Toronto. That's what Heatley did to Ottawa. You know they moved him off the first power play line. He's getting all pissy. He wants out of Ottawa. He goes play somewhere else. Like, I wonder where's Matthews going to be one of the greatest of all time and continue each year to be putting up these numbers. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think he, sometimes I see him in like the playoffs there, like ignoring Sherrod, like we were talking on the pod last week. And I wonder, like, is he going to, you know, have this want to win attitude or is he going to get sick of it? Is he going to get sick of losing in Toronto if they don't win it? So, this what, year? Are you, what are you asking? What are you asking? Are you saying that is he going to leave Toronto or is he going to have? Or if I'm, gonna gonna I'm asking, like, do you think he's going to continue throughout his entire career of uh, putting up of these course, kind of numbers? Of or is he going to just? Yeah, I think, like, the, from a longevity, no matter where yeah, he perspective, there's he's not even like he blows Heatley out of the water. I can't lie, can't yep. lie, Ty. Do you think but he's uh, the best goal scorer in the league? Oh, 100. Follow yes. up question. By far, more than Ovechkin. You think? Like, yeah, 15, 15, 15, 51 and 50. Since he since he joined the league you know, five years ago, he is the most goals in the league. And yeah. this is when Ovechkin was still scoring goals as, as you know, talked about being one of the best goal scorers. Matthews has been better than him since his rookie season. You saw it right when he joined the league scoring pot and four on Ottawa in the first game of his career. Still like that took was the something L, right there. Still took the L. <laughs> yeah, we still lost, but, but that was, it's one of those things. I think Matthews has the longevity like an Ovechkin. Like Ovechkin's been doing it for like 15 straight years. I yeah. think Matthews is going to do that. He's a big body and he plays way differently than he did in his first season. In his first season, he was just kind of like all out offensive and there wasn't much more to his game. Like there was, but there wasn't like compared to now. He is a two-way forward. He's big. He's not afraid to go in the corner and like use his, I'm not saying he's running guys over, but he's not afraid to use his body and get to the front of the net and score greasy goals. But then you see his shot. He has the best shot in the league by far. He makes a goalie sometimes like Vasilevsky look like he's just got no chance of stopping a puck, and that is a multiple-time Vesna winner. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's on pace for I think he's on pace for seventy-one right now. 
71 and 82. How old is the guy, too? Is he 25 or something, too? He's pretty young, I was going to say, I think he's my age. I believe he's either 24 or 25 years old. He's a year younger than McDavid. That's my only concern when when I ask these questions. Like, do you think he's going to be able to do it for the rest of his career? And is he the best? Like, I wonder, you know, is he having a hot streak in a few years here? Like, obviously, he's a world-class talent. But is he going to have the heart to do it? Yeah, but... I don't know. Like it, it's been what? How many years ago is that? Four years now? Five years? He's the, he's the best player yeah. in the league right now. Yeah, da- yep, Danny so. Heatley was never the best player in the league. No, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> best Danny goal scorer though. Best yeah, goal scorer. Danny Heatley scored fifty goals one time, right? Yeah, tw- I think it's two years in a row. Wasn't it two years in a row? I thought is he it- got fifty in uh oh five oh six and oh six oh seven. Yeah, check, you might guys. need a little stat check here. But uh, he's a fucking all star, and like that's. Best goal scorer of all time, Dan Geely. Fucking all-star. Why show up? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If you ask me that question, I'm saying Alex Ovechkin, 100% all day. But uh, Matthews, maybe in uh, five, ten years from now, that conversation could uh, change for sure. Probably sooner than there than if he keeps up what he's doing. But I just, uh, you know, I got to keep keep watching what Matthews is going to do. He's going to consistently do this for another uh, few years here. And, and what do they do in the playoffs, too? What separates uh, Ovechkin from... Uh, a player like Matthews, when you look at their playoff stats, Ovechkin's uh, he lights it up in the playoffs, and then well, you got it, Matthews last year. It took what him you, ten years though. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Matthews yeah. is young. Yep. Yeah, there's still a lot. I think for Matthews, like he's proven a lot, but I think there's still, you know, can he do it consistently? I think he still has to keep it up. And there's a lot of pressure when it, when uh, these days, especially in Toronto, for a player like Matthews to actually do that i was gonna say my thing is you don't hear anybody questioning and like i know this might sound crazy you don't hear anybody questioning like is can Connor mcdavid be the best player in the league for the next 10 years everyone's like yeah like he's just yeah. far above everybody else that is austin matthews in the goal scoring category he is far yeah, and above better than everybody else score at scoring goals getting open offensively and on top of it one of my hot takes for later just a little teaser but he plays with mitch marner mitch marner yeah. may also be one of the best passers in the league he may be one of the best playmakers all around in the league where he can just get like guys the puck in good spots. Even if Matthews having an off night, I guarantee Marner puts it on his tape in a, in a situation where Matthews could score for years to come, man. Years to come. Yeah. I think Matthews, if, if he didn't get gypped by the two half seasons for pandemic, I think in his career, Matthews would have taken a run at the Wayne Gretzky goal total. I think yeah. to get to the next level now, because they've proven everything in uh, in stats during the regular season, they need yeah. to do this in the playoffs now to prove yep. that they're even McDavid too. Like McDavid has to, you know, go and win a cup. Like for people to be talking, you know, like best goal scorer of all time and this and that. Like you know, without making it past the first round of the playoffs, like there's always going to be that counter argument. It's like what they do in the playoffs. So yeah. they got to get they got to get that. Uh, like what did they get in points last year in the first round? Like between Marner and Matthews, just it wasn't looking good. I think they only got a few points. I know Marner for he hadn't scored in the last two playoffs. I think up until the series with Montreal, like I think it was like fourteen games. Marner didn't have a goal. Yeah, in Matthews the got That's one last last uh, in against Montreal. Matthews got one in the whole yeah. series, but uh, it was yeah. like but seven games. You hope he scores more like uh, in the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially when he scores, you know, 50 goals in 50 games and then playoffs come around and he scores one. I'm not worried, honestly. I think uh, Boston, I think we didn't, we forgot to mention Boston in last episode, but it's looking like it could be Boston in the the first round. And, oh, it would not be interesting. I think we're the favorites there. That, I, 
you know what? I'm honestly like, it's like a weight off my chest playing Boston, even though you know, you never I think know. That ghost that haunts the Leafs is uh, got the favorite in that. Hey man, series, it doesn't so matter. <laughs> I still think I still think Boston's a way better, like way better matchup than either Florida. Or oh, Tampa. definitely, definitely. But guys, like, I yeah. think uh, a very a sleeper for best goal scorer of all time, career cut short by uh, injuries and whatnot, is Mike Bossy. Guys, he yeah. tore it up for of the all Islanders. Time, yeah, and. Uh, He's underrated. He never gets mentioned in the goal score when you talk about the greatest goal scorers of all time. And he's uh he's not doing well right now. I don't know if you guys saw the news, but uh like a little fake news dropped for like about an hour, and people thought he was uh he had passed. But he, he's still he's still kicking, but he's not looking not looking great. So I send my I prayers to that. Mike Bossy and the family. Bucks on Nux sends the prayers to Mike Bossy and his family. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. He's a legend, Islanders legend. Before we wrap up, Matthews, let me get into this hot take. Yeah. So I need to get your guys' opinion on this. So I'm gonna I'm doing two with Matthews. Matthews is the only player in the league that I think could score 82 goals in 82 games in his career. Even hotter take. I think he does it within the next two seasons. I think next year or the season after, Matthews pots 80 goals or 82 goals. He scores a goal a game. So say he plays 75, he gets 75 genos. If he plays 82, he's going 82 and 82. This guy, like I said, watching him night in and night out, he is one of, if not the most dominant player in the league as of right now, coming into his prime. He needs one shot a night with his absolute bomb of a shot. I think he scores 82 and 82. What do you guys think? I agree that he's the only player in the league that could do that, but I don't think he will do that. I think all good things come to an end, and at some point he's going to get a little cold, and it's uh, it's not going to continue like it has been of course he's always going to be scoring goals but you know there's going to be somewhere in there where it just falls off a little bit something's going to happen that team's stacked like if they don't go far in the playoffs this year and then future years coming and he sticks in toronto is he going to be scoring a goal a game if if the team starts falling apart and they don't have the caliber of players to play with on his on his line and stuff like marner i think's locked Tavares is locked and stuff but there's some players that are going to be moving out of there and i wonder is he still going to be producing if he's on a shitty team? I believe it, DK. I believe I it. Like I might it. be a biased Leafs fan, but you could tell me Matthews could do anything, and I'll believe it at this point because every year he just gets, <laughs> he just gets better and better. And, and I thought and he was—I thought he was unreal coming in his rookie year, and then second year he, he lit it up, and I was like, "All right, this guy's this guy's the real deal. This is what we're getting." And then we just keep getting even better. Yeah, like to counter your point, I I think he could go home and play on Arizona and still pot fifty. This guy has made Zach Hyman and Michael Bunting somewhat stars in this league. Michael Bunting is 26 years old and is was in the minor leagues his whole career and has 20 goals. It's because of Austin Matthews. This guy elevates whoever he's with to a superstar because that's how good he is. I think he could do it no matter where he goes. He could go play with Joe Blows in Arizona in front of 2,500 people at their dog shit arena and still put up 60 Geno's in a season. And here comes to my second hot take. I believe the leader in points for a Leaf of all time is 127 points, Doug Gilmore. He was considered to be the second best player behind Mario Lemieux. I think Mitch Marner, one season, breaks that record. Because if Austin Matthews scores 80 goals, Marner might get 100 assists on the year. And then pot 20 himself. Like I think he could get 127 points one year. No, When these boys are both firing in their primes, those are my two hot takes. 82 and 82 for Matthews. Marner over 127 points one season. I think the 127 is more likely. Me too. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if both happen. 
I would, yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is that if it was going to happen, you know that those would happen in the same season. Like it would be Matthew scoring eighty two and Marner having one hundred and thirty points. There's people clicking off this podcast right now, though. Eighty two? Are you fucking kidding me, DK? Yeah. That's what they're saying right now. They're clicking off. They're like, these yeah, like, no enough, wait, enough of this leaf stock here. I'm saving <laughs> this clip though. Sense. I'm saving 100%. this clip. Fair. I'm putting that clip out to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens. And if you're right, man, imagine uh, how that clip's going to do in the future there. This guy's calling it like, uh, wait, well, when do you think what the, that would happen? If that's going to happen, it's got to happen the next, in the next couple years. of years. You said yeah, it. It's, you said it has to. Season after. Two year, within two so. years. Yeah. Holy. Well, that's enough Leafs talk for a sense fan here. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to some Ottawa Senators talk here. And you guys see that knee on knee that Tim Stutzel took. And then Gallagher in the post-game comments was calling him a diver and all this shit and just talking shit about him. And I, I see it as Timmy Stu living uh, rent-free in Gallagher's head. But uh, I thought it was a bad knee-on-knee. And uh, Stutzel's been out for like two or three games now since that happened. And then in the post-game interview, Gallagher's out there talking shit about how he's a diver and all this shit. I don't like Gallagher. Like, you know, I had a little bit of respect for him, but I don't like that. I like this guy after... Talking shit about my boy Jimmy Stew, who's not even close to his prime yet, but he's still lighting it up. That guy's going to be a future superstar uh, in the making right now. But uh, what'd you guys think about Gallagher's comments there? I thought it was a little bit extra. You know, I think he was just a little pissy because we whooped their ass that game. I th- I think Tim Stutzel should take any comment from Brendan Gallagher with a grain of salt. I think I bet you could go back and under the replays and find Brendan Gallagher flopping around drawing. Penalties. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I actually saw like a one minute video of this guy just flopping left, right, and center. And it was all over social media after these comments. So just the biggest hypocrite in the league right there for that. But I don't think he was talking about like, oh, that wasn't a penalty. And he was just trying to draw a penalty. I think it's just that old school mentality, dude. I don't know about you guys. When I played, my dad had a rule for me. And it was very similar to the Brennan Gallagher rule. My dad's rule was like, you don't lay on the ice and have a trainer come get you no matter what you get your ass up and we don't lay on the ice. And then he would tell me, I wrote it down and I got him to text me it so that he said, his rule for me was, unless it's a broken bone, get up. And if it's not your leg that's broken, get up because your arm does not affect your legs. (laughs) That's what he told, that was my dad's rule. I think Gallagher's dad, whatever, old coaches in his ear like that. And that's where I think he was talking about, I think they were both, I watched the clips, they were both penalties that Stutzel went down on. But do you... If you're out on the next power play, do you need the trainer? If you're out within 25 seconds, you need the trainer to come scoop you up off the ice? Probably not. I think someone on Ottawa would go up to Tim Stutzel, like Brady Kachuk, let's just say. You don't see him laying on the ice ever. Guy's nails. I think he would go up to Stutzel and say, hey, look, thanks for drawing the penalty. Great. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's just have the trainer take the night off for once. I think that's all he was saying. But if I'm Timmy Stutzel, I'm taking that with a grain of salt because it's Brandon Gallagher talking. He took a big blow to the knee, though. Like, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was like he was trying to draw a penalty and be down rolling around on the ice because he did get up like fairly quickly for like the for the impact he took, though, to be honest. And oh, yeah. the trainer he's, wasn't he's, even he's missed at him two yet. games. He's uh, he's not playing now because of that play. And then Gallagher's talking this shit about how, you know, like I get up after I get hit and shit and then go on social media on Twitter after this this play happens. And there's people posting clips of Gallagher diving like, one to two minute long clips of this guy, just consecutive dives that's drawing penalties. It's like, buddy, you can't go in a, a post game interview and be talking all this shit about something not to do when you're known for doing it. Like he does it all the time. 100%. So I, 100%. I just think he's just 
that's why I think Tim Stutzel's living rent free in his head. Like Tim Stutzel's winning right there by doing that. Besides taking that injury, which was, was a legitimate injury, he's yeah. getting the penalty, going to the power play. We're scoring on the power play. Gallagher's getting pissed off. It's throwing him off his game. I love it. I love to see it, and I just hate to see these comments from Gallagher. Like I think this Montreal Ottawa rivalry just heated up like a hundred degrees from that one game. And uh, both these teams have a bright future. They're both kind of shit right now, but they're going to both be good at the same time. And it's going to be electric. I think that rivalry be more heated than the Ottawa Toronto rivalry, which I would love to see heat up as well. I think when Ottawa gets to their peak, Toronto's going to be past their peak. That's exactly. And that's exactly what's happened, right? Like Ottawa was good and Toronto wasn't good. Now Toronto's yeah. good and Ottawa's not good. So that rivalry has kind of been like, we, I don't know who I would call a rival other than Boston. As a Leafs fan, like, I don't think we have one. So the fact that you guys are sitting there and it's like, yeah, Montreal versus Ottawa, you guys get fired up no matter what, Saturday night in the Bell Center, and then you guys are going against them, like, that's that's insane. I'm, I'd be They're fired booing up. The Stu. They're booing Jimmy Stu out there and stuff. Like, Jimmy <laughs> Stu is, like, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, and he's already got the whole, like, Bell Center pissed at him. Like, I can't wait till this guy's just walking circles around the Habs defense and lighting it up. And, like, when they come to Ottawa, it's going to be electric. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Both you and Montreal, both teams are hot garbage, so they need something to be mad about, right? Am I right, DK? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, they need they need something to fire them up night in and night out because they know it's not going to be a win that does it. <laughs> well, after you guys lose in the first round for another two or three years and Ottawa's playing in the cup final, we'll see who's fucking hot garbage. If we lose in the first round this year, my TV may go off my balcony. I'm surprised it didn't last year against the Habs, dude. That must have been uh, painful. Like Watching it last year, I was listening to Brian Hayes talk about it. The Boston series was like taking a bullet to the dome, right? Like it just all of a sudden we just collapsed <laughs> and it was over. You just took a bullet right to yeah. the dome and your lights were out. Last year was like developing gout. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Like all of a sudden yeah. game fucking five, my legs stopped working. And then game six, I was just frozen watching the game. And then by like game seven, someone was holding my eyeballs open, making me watch this goddamn <laughs> collapse. It was the worst three games, like maybe five day stretch of my sporting life. I think that was, that was brutal, dude. Yeah. Like brutal watching that series last year. I was uh, like, when it comes to Leafs versus Habs, I don't know who to cheer for. So I just loved seeing like someone get upset. Honestly, like I root for an underdog, but I can't root for the Habs when they're an underdog. But no, fuck, it was just. I don't know, man. Kind of funny, honestly. <laughs> I hate the Leafs, right? The Leafs hate the Sands. It's it's just uh, the rivalry. It goes back way time, like way back in time. But uh, if we're talking rivalries, another one that I would love to see heat up, and I think when Buffalo is good again, it'd be Buffalo and Ottawa. And when Buffalo is good again, it's going to be around the same time when Ottawa is good again. And they've got guys like Owen Power coming up. Ottawa's got guys like Jake Sanderson. I'm stoked to see that Owen Power is playing for – Buffalo he's coming in I don't know if he's played a game yet but he's supposed to very soon did he play last night or they weren't playing he's making his debut Tuesday yeah. versus Tuesday. Yep. yeah yeah so and he's gonna be a unit out there and they've got Darlene they've got some good players coming up too I don't know if, I think Ottawa's got a better core but yeah same with the last 10 years I don't think I don't at this point I'm convinced Buffalo will never be good <laughs> yeah they just say they just broke the record 11 straight years not making the playoffs yeah. How do you go 11 years and not making it? And they still like, who is their superstar? Jack Eichley's gone. Who's their yeah, superstar on that true. team that they're going to build around, right? Like, I know Owen Power, whatever, but I'm pretty sure that the thing on him is that he's like a defensive defenseman or a stay at home defenseman. Like, I get that's good, but he's not, they're not saying like, oh, this guy's like Victor Hedman. Like, I don't know who their superstar is that they're going to really build around in Buffalo. 
well, they got to get a good pick coming up this year. And then, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're a few years behind Ottawa's rebuild, I think, which it shouldn't be that yep. way because they've been shittier longer. But uh, yeah, Ottawa's I think done it right, man. Ottawa's that, done it yeah. right. I, as a, even as a Leafs fan, like Ottawa, Montreal, they both have a good stable of young guys that can be like, I'm thinking of Montreal right up top of my head, just two guys like Suzuki and Caulfield alone. That's more than Buffalo has. No, like looking forward to up it. front for sure. Yeah. 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 Like, and and the, and the same with Ottawa. Like Ottawa's done it right too. They got Sanderson that's coming up. I think you were saying. Yeah, they got I can't like wait. they got Timmy Stutzel. Like they got more guys on both of those teams than Buffalo has at all. Right. Like I just, yeah. I don't know, man. Buffalo, like I'm a Stewie. I don't know. I don't think they're ever going to be good. They might go 25 years not making the playoffs. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was talking to uh, Lucas there, our buddy, who's a, a Buffalo fan, and he watches all the games, and he he seemed uh, confident that they'll you know, be good in a few years from now, or at least I was talking about the Sens rebuilds coming together. And uh, we were actually having that conversation. Like, I can't wait until that Ottawa-Buffalo rivalry heats up again. And they're both good because if you remember back in the Ray Emery days when uh, Brian Murray's behind the bench, I think it was him and Lindy Ruff are like standing on the boards yelling at each other and Ray Emery skating down to the other end of the ice to beat the shit out of fucking, who was it, Marty Biron? Like, electric. And I just, I want to see these games after like, I think it's five years for Ottawa since they've been in the playoffs now around that. And I just can't wait to see them in a playoff series, whether it's against Montreal, Toronto, or Buffalo. Like I think those days are coming at some point though, the Leafs and Sens, like I think the Sens will be on the, the climb in the standings and the Leafs are going to be on the decline and they're, they're going to meet there in some playoff series, hopefully. Cause it's been what 2005 or something since the Leafs Sens played in a playoff series against each other. But yeah. fuck, it's going to be electric when, when we get to those days. Looking forward to it. I agree. But uh, let's move on now. I know uh, this is an NHL talk, but a little OHL drama going on. Stu, you have a little bit of a history with the Niagara Ice Dogs, and there's a bit of a scandal going on there. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your take on all the shit that's happening in Niagara? Right. So if you guys didn't hear, um, the coach and the GM of Niagara, the coach is Billy Burke, the GM is Joey Burke. They were both suspended from their positions for two years until 2024 and find a hundred in the team, a little, I think it was a combination between them and the team um, got fined a combined $150,000, which is a massive, massive penalty. Especially in the OHL right after the pandemic. Exactly. So the reason I bring it up is because I used to work for the team. I was, um, I wasn't anything really important, but I was like on the social media team and I just kind of shot like, Promo, I shot like game footage and then I would like make like promo packages and like I would shoot like sponsored stuff here and there and like mingle in with the players and stuff and take like cool like behind the scenes videos. That was kind of my position. And I kind of I never had like a conversation directly with either either one of them. I think to me and Ty went to school together and we had like a radio assignment to do like an interview somebody from the community. And then I was like, oh, well, this is easy. I can probably get like Joey Burke, the GM of the Niagara Ice Dogs would be a good interview. So that was like the pretty much the extent of what we talked, maybe like a little like, hey, what's going on like here and there. So what happened was they have a group chat staff all talks together in the same WhatsApp group chat. A chat got leaked where there's a series of messages talking about just swearing, getting mad and they call. They had some choice words for um, a female employee of theirs. The chats didn't get leaked to us. They get like they were sent to the league. The league reviewed them, made the suspension. Then nobody knew what was actually said. The ice dogs posted a statement from 
Joey and Billy saying we are like devastated at the news that we just like this is like a horrible fine, like way overdone. Like our comments, like we use some derogatory derogatory words and whatever, but it was not directed at an employee of ours, and it's not like it it wasn't that bad. It wasn't racist and everything. And now the chats are leaked, and it looks awful for them. The apology looks even worse than the original crime because because I was gonna come on when I first mentioned I was gonna come on here, and I was gonna have like a little bit of a defense for the ice dogs because I'm a fan. I love, I work for the goddamn team. You know what I mean? So after seeing the, after seeing the chats, there's no real defense, but I guess I'm not going to say them here, but you could probably find them online. But, um, the, the structure in, in Niagara is weird. So the owner of the team, I forget his first name, but it's the Burke. It's the dad. It's daddy Burke, <laughs> if you will. All right. <laughs> the coach is his son, Billy. The GM is his other son, Joey. When I first found that out, I went to the team. I found that out. And then I was like, hey, that's kind of weird, like a weird dynamic for hockey. And now it just looks awful because they can say anything, right? They can say like, that's why they're like, they can say anything in these group chats because they can't lose their job. As long as something doesn't get leaked to the league, they can do, they can run rampant, say whatever the fuck they want to say in Niagara. So it was a terrible structure that they had management there in, in, in Niagara. And I mean, like, it's not against the, it's not against the rules, I guess. But it, it just wasn't going to work for a hockey team. That's not the first time they've been in trouble either. Like, what was it? Not a the year first ago? time. And this is the other thing I was going to say: the not defending anything that Joey and Billy say. I think the fine was, or the at least the suspension was justified. The fine was huge and will hurt the team for sure, um, which sucks for the team. But it was horrible things that they said, and they were talking about an employee of theirs. So their apology note looks terrible in hindsight. The only defense I have for the Ice Dogs is that historically, in the last few years, the league has been very, very unfairly tough on the Ice Dogs. And I have a feeling it's because of the ownership structure that they've got there. They don't want, they don't like the fact that this, the sons of the owner are coaching and running the team. Well, yeah, I imagine if you go to any group chat of any team, you're going to see some messages that are. Yeah, and that's another thing. Maybe that's not as bad thing. as those ones were, but like there's going to be some offside comments put in there. So either someone, within the organization went and leaked out these messages and, and screwed them over or the leagues like going out of their way to come after them possibly. Yes. That's another thing. How many scandals do you hear out of junior hockey that never get punished and never get investigated? Yeah. And then every time the ice dogs are wrapped up in anything before we even hear about the league is already investigating them and they always catch the hugest fines. Two years ago, I think they got two or three years ago, they got fined 200 K was the original fine. $200,000 $200,000 for a junior hockey team in Canada is a lot of money, by the way. $200,000 fined and stripped of two years worth of first-round picks. They got Because they were, what were they doing? They were paying players to come over Allegedly from like Russia and Allegedly they were paying players shit. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even look into it, but it was like they, for their Giving them extra practices. money to come play there. Which, yeah. which the whole league does. Exactly. Yeah. London's been doing it for decades oh, by all accounts. So in no, that's what I'm saying. They've been tough on the ice dogs. I think it's because of the owner, but either way, it's not fair what the league has done to the ice dogs. Rumor is they're selling. Um, I heard Mike Fisher is a name possibly to buy the ice dogs. Let's go. Um, Ottawa Senators it. legend, baby. <laughs> so hopefully if there's new ownership in there, they won't be so biased, but it's horrible. The league, the OHL in junior hockey isn't quite what you think it is. There's a lot of politics and there's a lot of, I'm not going to say yeah. corruption, but there's a lot of uh, oh, any know, league, any sports league. Okay. There's corruption. It's all there is a ton of corruption in the OHL. Especially. Yeah. Dude, Mitch Marner was supposed to be the number one pick in his draft class. He went 
whatever there is, 17, 18 teams in the league. He went last pick in the first round to London because he told every other team, I'm only going to London or else I'm going to accept my offer to go to NCAA. Right. Why did he do that? Because London was paying him. And the that happens every year, up. dude. Every yep. year, there's like people going to London. No, the league doesn't do anything about it because I, who are the owners? Is it the Hunters in London? Yep. Nobody gives a nobody nobody gives a fuck enough for the league to investigate. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people that hate it within the league, but outside of the league, it's like they're just fans. You know what I mean? Something fishy so going like, on. Like, yeah, oh, we can just let it go. Like it's not the NHL. Like we just let it go. But then every time Niagara, they're the first ones to post about it. The OHL will be like, oh. Oh, you see this? Niagara just got fined. We just fined Niagara. They fuck them. Either way, they deserve punishment for like the coach, the Burks deserve punishment for what was said because it was pretty horrible. And I feel I feel terrible for for everyone that was directed at because the ice dogs actually employ a lot of females in like their mostly office positions for like the coach and like the top dudes of the team to be talking about them like that really sucks. And and the GM called out his own scouting staff, dude. Oh, his, Jesus. He called out his own scouting staff. I don't know if you see, saw them. <laughs> but he pretty much said this one this one person in her, I'm not going to say what was said exactly, but uh, paraphrased, it's this one person in our front office staff is a bigger choice word than our horseshit scouting staff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like... The whole double call out, eh? Yeah, double call out. You can't be doing that. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I said the, the cat's the out of the bag run. now. It's yeah. Gone. And the like, thing they they can they probably feel like they can just say whatever the hell they want because their dad's the owner. So that's like a. But I was gonna come in defend them originally and be like that. You know what? I don't know what was said, but they've never. They always seemed like stand up people to me. The one guy was willing to do an interview with me. They didn't have to do that. But then I saw it and I was like, all right, I can't defend these guys. Like on the other side of the token, yes, the league is like super hard on the Knights or not, or sorry, on the ice dogs. I find it weird that it's a full family run organization. Like it's not a grocery store, dude. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can't own the store and then just be like, I'm going to hire my nephew and my one son's gonna be the manager and my other son's <laughs> gonna be the manager of produce like it they can it's not a grocery store it's an ohl team if they have no experience what the hell are they doing running a team anyways they right? can go oh and 62 or whatever the fuck the amount of games are in junior hockey and yep. have their job the next year easy dude it, it, it was yep. a weird system when i heard that but um i think that's why the league hates them and was super tough on them but like if you're gonna do that you gotta fucking match it it's like when you're it's like it's like when you're an umpire in baseball if you're gonna call a strike six inches out of the strike zone you gotta call it every time yeah you know what i mean yep so how about we move on to some ufc how you guys feeling about uh talking about this electric fucking card last night ufc 273 that was some of the best shit i've seen in a long time in the ufc like that chamaya fight i don't know why don't we start with that the chamaya fight that was the fucking fight of the year, as far as I'm concerned. At this point, it's only April, so we still got a lot of fights coming up this year. But holy smokes, that guy is a machine. When have you ever heard of someone going from, you know, rank 11 or like being unranked to going against the number 10 guy, smoking him like no tomorrow, and then going up against the number two guy and uh, getting the win? Like everyone going into this fight was either on the hype train, like he's going to go in there and smoke him. I was one of those guys. I thought, you know, he's going to go in there and tear him up like he has everyone else because I'm a believer in the Wolf Chemayev. But I knew this would be a test and he was tested for the first time. He's actually looked human in the ring. He went in there and he ate a couple shots. And there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know if Chemayev has a chin. Is he going to be able to eat a shot? Because coming into this fight, he'd only been punched two times in his UFC career. 
and he ate shots. He ate shots. Like he got knocked down. I think it was the end of the second round. He uh, was a little wobbly there from a shot from Burns, but he got right back up and then he came back out the next round and he was still buzzing and he was still firing back. And it was like every punch he was looking for that knockout, which maybe wasn't his best uh, decision to go for that. But holy smokes, this guy just proved to anyone that doubted him that he is legitimate to be a title contender. And also, I think he learned a lot from this fight because I think he went into it super relaxed. Like if you saw him at the start of the fight, he's sitting on top of the cage, just chilling, waiting for his opponent, Burns, to walk out down the uh, the alleyway there, walk into the ring. And he just looked way, way too relaxed, almost like way too confident, which is a good and bad thing. They were showing the clips of him behind, uh, behind the scenes before the fight warming up with Darren Till. And he's kicking the pads and shit. And they're laughing and joking around. I think he should have dialed it in, but a little more serious. And he will for the next fight. And that's what this fight, I think, taught him. He's going to go into the next one with a more woken uh, perspective, I think. Like, I think he came back to earth a little bit there. Before that, he was a machine and he didn't seem human in the octagon. For the first time, he's looked a little human there. What did you guys think of that fight last night? Yeah, so I was watching. I I mean, I was watching up until about that point. All honesty, I had to go back and watch the highlights today. I thought he looked great, like from the highlights. Um, I thought he got dropped a couple times in the highlights. Maybe it was just me falling for them playing the same highlight over and over. I thought he got dropped twice in one round, uh, he, personally. He did get, get dropped a couple of times, but he also dropped Burns, yeah. I was going to say, but he also came back and then dropped Burns in the third round, too. One thing that I don't know what you saw, Ty, because, I mean, you're you're right on him. I saw a lot of people tweeting out saying, you know, gas tank issues, gas tank issues. I he didn't can't go it. five. I didn't I think know. it was a gas tank issue. I saw him get rocked a couple of times where he wobbled a bit. And when that happened, he wobbled, he went down, and then he, you know, went for the leg. Like, he wasn't yep. ever out. He wasn't ever unconscious. He wasn't ever, like, totally out of it. But he was wobbly at times. There was definitely times where he had his bell rung and he slowed down a bit. But then like the next round, like end of the third round, right at the end, he went and th- tried to throw like a flying knee and shit. Like he sprinted at the guy and he, he still had energy in the tank. He was still oh, yeah. moving light on his feet. And in order to go five rounds against someone like Usman or Covington and, and Covington or however you pronounce it there, Covington, Covington, he is one of the best gas tanks in the UFC and uh, if Chamayev's going to go against him, he has to be able to go five rounds. And he, I think part of the reason, too, people might have said his gas tank was looking low. He was swinging for the moon every shot he took. Yep. Every That's what I thought, threw, watching the highlights. Yeah, he was swinging. Yep. Like, he missed a lot of them, but fuck, was he swinging to take Buddy's head off. And I think he's even said after the fight, I think today he mentioned that he should have been a little, uh, you know, reserved when it came to using his energy in that. But he's still, like, this guy's a machine. He could go five rounds at that pace even i think no doubt that was fight of the night by far probably yeah. fight, maybe fight of the year ty you were saying that was i think so so far i'm trying to think of what other they fight were throwing we- bombs all all fight long but after watching the fight the way the odds represented uh the fight pre-fight i think burns there was some good value on burns dude i know dk you mentioned it last week you said it might be worth throwing a couple bucks and even though it lost even though it lost that would have been that was a great bet, and I actually did it because it was a juicy line, and Burns held his own. And like one more for knockdown sure. for when Burns. Have you ever heard of, like someone going from where Chamaya was in the rankings against number two? Like people dude. were crazy to count Burns out. Like he was you, Burns you was could like never a plus count him out. Four hundred underdog. That's yeah, just that's what disrespect. I, exactly. And he, yeah. oh, dude. By the way, Chamayev is an animal, and I'm now a fan. I'm also yep. a fan of Gilbert Burns. 
I don't yep. follow UFC as close as uh, as close as you do, Ty, and as close as you do, DK. But but I'm a fan of both guys. That was an absolute slugfest. It was amazing. Um, dude. Everything was I know electric. about Usman, though, Chimaev at this stage does not beat Usman. Well, I think I think I he he just learned the lesson he needs to learn in order to have what it takes to go against Usman. Because if he went in there and ran through Burns, no problem, took his head off in the first round. Then he would have gone up against Covington or Usman with the mentality he's going to go in there and take their head off, which he's not because those guys, they don't like their gas tanks don't run out and they can just work you for five rounds and go the distance. And Chemayev, after this fight against Burns, I think he knows like when you get into these top two and three spots, which he'd never experienced before, he's fighting the best in the world in like the most competitive weight division in the UFC, arguably. And he went the whole way with him. He went the distance with Burns and he probably never expected he was going to go that long. He was trying to knock him out the entire fight. So I think this is the perfect story for him. It's the perfect lesson he needed. He needed to go against someone that's going to test him before he goes right into that title shot. If he went right into the title shot, then uh, he probably would have been gassing out at the end of the fifth round kind of thing. Dude, I don't know Burns' history, but has he ever been knocked out before, dude? Yeah, I don't know if he's ever been... I know he's been finished, but I don't know if he's ever been knocked out. Burns... You need okay, a well, he, dude. He I think he got like, knocked out by Usman. I'm pretty sure when like did he? I think Usman might have knocked him out, and then I think he was that was a fight where he was like crying in the ring after. And Chemayev was talking shit about that before the fight. But what I love is after the fight, pure respect. Chemayev was like, you know, I talked yeah. a lot of shit before the fight and stuff, but I love this guy. This guy just went the distance with me. I'm hurting right now. I'm tired. I'm feeling it. I love this shit. He said, like, quote, yeah. I love this shit. <laughs> it was amazing. And usually after a fight, Chemayev's so rested still, he's fucking like screaming into the mic and jumping around like, I'll kill everyone, let's fucking go. That's usually what he's saying. But this fight, totally different demeanor coming out of him in that post-fight interview. Like everyone was expecting him to, you know, not everyone's expecting him, but a lot of people are expecting him to go in there, take his head off, be screaming, calling out the title holder. But this fight, I think, uh, brought some realization into Chemayev that he's going to go back to the gym and train twice as hard and he already trains harder than like yeah. anyone that you know you could ever think of. Burns had a, a pretty good post game interview too. That's what made me a fan or post fight interview. But yeah, that guy, I don't like I said, I don't know his history, but he he's, he looks like he's built to survive a head on collision, dude. That guy is like the <laughs> widest neck I've neck, ever seen in my yeah, life. Oh fuck, he's a tank. <laughs> they're they're both tanks too. Like Shamaya's a lot more lanky, but fuck man they're they're machines absolutely i think i think they both win in that situation right i think both of them the next fight card that they're on they're probably going to be the main event like jamaya will be the main event against i would guess covington like you can't put him against uzman without facing covington first and then i think gilbert burns whoever he faces if it's even if it's a fight night if it's on a pay-per-view he'll be the co-main event but if it's a fight night i would love to watch Gilbert Burns headline a card. Like, I'm the same way. I, I thought they both came... I understand Gilbert Burns lost. I think they both came out as winners in that fight. Yeah, 100%. And uh, you mentioned uh, the next possible fight for Chemayev, and I think it will be Covington. Yep. And I also, it makes me wonder, where's McGregor at in, like, his, you know, training and healing from his last injury? Because he's been calling Usman out like crazy. And I wonder, like, is that the next fight for McGregor? Is McGregor and Usman, which is crazy. I think McGregor's going to get, you know, one leg kick away from retirement. Fucking Chemayev versus Covington will be electric. And then uh, maybe Dana White won't give 
you know, maybe I'll give him that Covington matchup before the Usman matchup just to wait and see if McGregor and Usman fight happens because that's the money fight. But yeah. I think Chimaev's like, you know, fuck, did he ever prove himself last night? It's it's going to be number one or the champion he's fighting next, which is 100%. insane. He came from like nowhere to being top contender he's fighting next. Fight insane. Island, baby. I'm fucking sticking with that hype train. He hasn't lost me a bet yet. Moving on yeah. though, let's let's talk about the fight happening right after yeah, speaking that. Speaking of lost bets, <laughs> yeah, yeah, holy fuck, way to piss me off there, fucking judges. Because I I swear that uh, in my opinion, Yan won that fight because yep. I thought he won rounds four and five, and Sterling won won rounds two and three. But round one, there was no ground control time or anything. It was pretty much just striking. I thought Yan was doing the better striking, and then you look at the. Uh, amount of takedown attempts that Sterling went for. He took like 22 attempts. He only got two of them. And you got to keep in consideration how much Yan defended there on, the, on those attempts. And I think uh, the only reason they gave it to Sterling was because of that second round where he he had a 10-8 round. There was a weird, I don't know if it was even considered a takedown, but uh, Yan slipped or something and he, he fell against the cage and then Sterling was on him and he, he didn't get out. He defended every attempt to get choked out and all that, but Sterling was all over him, but I still think Yan won that fight. And if fucking Yan won that fight, I would have won a fucking seven leg parlay. So fuck you, Sterling. <laughs> I was going to say I was under, I was under four and a half rounds. I thought Yan was going to go in there and dummy him, like just beat Me his too. ass, because, you too. know, did the DQ, whatever. I, I had under four and a half rounds. Of course that doesn't hit everything I was seeing on Twitter. You know how like you follow some MMA guys, they always post their scorecards that they were keeping yeah. during the fight. Almost everybody that I had, they were like, hey, this was razor thin, but I had Yan three to two. That's exactly, it was razor thin, but I had Yan yeah. because of that first round and because of the amount of takedowns he defended. And also because when Sterling had control on the ground, he wasn't throwing shit. Like he just kept going for the neck, trying to choke him, but he wasn't landing punches. Like when Yan had control in rounds four and five, he was throwing bombs the entire time. He even knocked Sterling at one point where he connected good. When they're on the feet, he connected good, and it rocked Sterling. Like There was no time when Yan was rocked during that fight. The entire time that Sterling had control of the fight, he was just trying to get a submission with the neck or choking him out, and he was unsuccessful every time. I really, I, I'm still pissed about that. I think Yan won that fight <laughs> all day. Yep. Like I, I'm sticking with that, and uh, you'll have a hard time convincing me otherwise. I could see why it went Sterling, though, just to put that out there, but it was, I think it could have gone either way just as equally. If the people that had money on Sterling would be pissed if it went yawn, you know what I mean? Yep. I think um, it only went Sterling because of that one very dominant round. In it was the probably a 10-8 round. round, yeah? It was, yeah. Exactly. That's what did it for him, but I'm saying it was, it was Sterling, razor thin. to defend the judges for Sterling, um, Sterling was far closer to finishing that fight than yawn was. Yeah. Arguable. He he never had he never had his neck like at all though like he he did Jan's, a couple times but Jan's he got out of it. chin was tucked and he had his arm controlled and Sterling wasn't fucking throwing does defense, punches that does were defense. Well, I don't know what scores points in the UFC to be honest. Is I don't well if like, a guy shoots for twenty two takedowns and only lands two of them that's that stands for something for sure. That's well, that's like failed takedown attempts. Like I don't think failed takedown attempts are minuses though. Well, I don't think it's minus like points or anything, them, but it, like when it, his takedowns are more effective as far as control. When I saw Jan's control, Yan was landing more punches while he was off his takedowns because he was throwing them. But but yeah, Sterling, when Yan had control, he was rocking him. When Sterling had control, 
He, he had nothing. But when Sterling had control, Jan could not get up, though. The round, sa- the bell saved him both times. Yeah, and it was the most boring fucking way to fight in the fucking yes. UFC. That's so, not so boring. I had money yep. on Jan, too, but I could see if it went either way. I don't think it was a bad call either way, to be honest. And it I was think it was a bad call. So. I think it's fucking... Jan well, night. fuck, you would have made $1,000 last night, buddy. <laughs> Over $1,000. But uh, moving on, man, because if we talk about that too much, I'll start getting fucking pissed off again. <laughs> I didn't sleep well too last night because of that one. But then uh, the fucking main event was pretty electric too. It wasn't a close fight by any means, but uh, I did fucking call out, so I f- feel like it was pretty electric. I was like, zombie's going to get the shit rocked out of him beaten to a pulp and either the ref or the doctor's going to come in and stop it. And that's exactly what fucking happened because Volkanovsky is too fucking good for anyone in that weight division. Like, except for maybe Holloway. That's the only guy that's a test for him, I think. Cause everyone else, he just fucking runs through. I was saying even, even Hall, like the, him and Holloway had those two fights, right? Where it was like right down to the wire. Nobody can take Volkanovsky there. And I feel like part of it is because Holloway is just so goddamn big. Like, yeah. I don't know if he could go down to 145 anymore. Like, I think he was talking going up to 155 for his next yeah. fight, wasn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. He mentioned going to another weight class now because he's basically beaten everyone that's a contender. Like, he beat Holloway twice very uh, controversially. Like, a lot of people would argue. Yeah, I had money on Holloway. Holloway I, had Hall- I had money on Holloway both times, dude. I thought Holloway won both of them. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he's beaten everyone that's, uh, you know, a contender, really. So, like, what's next for him? He's maybe going for two belts. Maybe he moves up. Yeah, and goes for another belt but uh yeah the guy's a machine he's built like uh like you were saying burns like i think stewie said like he, he looks like he could survive car crashes the way he's fucking built <laughs> <laughs> it's the bald dudes dude i don't know what it is about bald dudes <laughs> but they look like they can take punches better dude <laughs> i don't know if there's a connection between hair loss and, and, and uh jaw strength but hey the only guy that that goes against mickey gall Going yeah, face down, gross. ass up for the KO of the night. The Canadian boy, Mike oh my God. Good point. That was electric, dude. That guy's got a bright future. Water down Ontario. Yeah, Water fucking. Down Ontario, and then he, he donates his, uh, what, $10,000 of his winnings to, I think yep. it was his coach's daughter or something has cancer. Uh, someone that, that cancer in the ring for the, at the yeah, end on ESPN. The, First time on ESPN, whatever. Said. Yeah, that was electric. <laughs> He's like, I just donated ten thousand in my purse. I think they get a a decent fine for swearing on ESPN. This guy yeah. just donated like twelve thousand dollars of his purse for for <laughs> saying can't fuck find cancer. Someone, yeah, you can't find someone for saying fuck cancer though. Like that should be allowed no, any fucking where. Fuck I cancer, agree. man. Is but the ESPN, uh, what I did see. It, uh, go I'm ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna ask. Is it? It was still a pay per view event, wasn't it? Like if if some not the ESPN prelims. The- those, those were prelims, so those were not pay per view. Oh, yet. so dudes were just watching that on their satellite television, is what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, I was yeah. I was watching oh. it on my satellite here, and yeah, they they they're on a delay, so like, but they they don't like bleep it. Like you could see them. They all they do is kind of cut it the like Joe Rogan's mic or whatever, and that's it. Yeah, the problem I think the television ESPN, stations. Yeah, they have I think like they're ruthless second. because they're owned by Disney, so like you can't really. <laughs> You can't be swearing on a Disney network. So I think this guy, I think he literally donated like $15,000 of his purse, whether it was to ESPN and cancer. Today I saw that Dana White, after um, he mentioned like Mike Malott said that he was going to donate the $10,000, $15,000, whatever it was for um, his, I think it was his coach's daughter, whoever it was, yep. someone on his team that had cancer. Uh, Dana White said he's going to pay for that and then give him his money on top of that. 
I don't know if he got another bonus for having. I think such he got knocked out of the fight. night, fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he he got paid, and uh, Dana White's covering whatever he said he was going to donate there. So Dana White, fucking a lot of people give him shit, not paying fighters oh, shit, but he's a beauty. That guy, man, I love Dana White. Fucking Dana he's White haters out there, take off. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, coming up next weekend, it's not as electric, not nearly as electric as. Uh, the card was this weekend, but uh, sometimes these sleeper cards, they have some of the best fights on them. So it could be electric. There's just a couple I want to point out. Kevin Kroom, this guy, he's like the first fight on the prelims, I think. And uh, just watch this guy fight. If you've never seen him fight, he's a fucking beauty. If you follow him on Instagram and shit, like I've sent him a message and stuff on there. Cause he posts something like Steve Miller band song or like his favorite <laughs> song, something to do with music. And I'll reply to it or about, his walkout song. He, he responds back. This guy, he'll like your comments. He'll respond back to you. Absolute beauty. And, uh, he likes to fucking strike and he's like, he's an exciting fighter. If you want to see a good fight. And then the complete opposite in the main event with, uh, Muhammad, who's, uh, who's he fighting? Luke or something? Uh, yeah. Vincente Luque. Yeah. And, uh, that I think Muhammad's going to win that fight just by, uh, sleeping on him the whole time. He's going to wrestle him to the ground, and just lie on top of him. So that's one that, uh, bring your, pillow for a sleepy time for that one but other than that i feel like there's some electric fights on that card but i'm not gonna make my ufc picks yet i'll i'll save that for another video later well and wait for those to come out and when they come out make sure you hammer the fuck out of <laughs> tyler Damara's picks what were you tie seven and two seven and two yeah the only ones i lost to was uh josh fremd and i was like fucking went with him just because he was an underdog and i was like i don't know about this one and then uh what was the other one i lost? oh yeah because yan fucking yeah, won yeah. and they gave him a loss so fuck <laughs> we should have fucking won a parlay last night that would have been huge but we're gonna get it hey these days. speaking about parlays guys i'm starting a new stewie saturday i don't know if you saw the stories but every yeah. saturday i'm gonna oh, do a hockey, hockey night in canada parlay and i nailed my first one so it was uh flames minus one and a half it was Rangers money line over Tyler Sorry sends, and it was Sharks and Canucks over five and a half. All hit. So hey, Saturdays, keep an eye out, guys. What is it, Stewie Saturdays? Stewie, Stewie Saturdays, Saturdays, baby. Chats. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That was like plus four hundred too, wasn't it, Stewie? That was a massive, massive parlay to hit. Four thirty three. Yeah. Fucking right. Stewie J with the hockey picks every Saturday. Get them in. All right, let's move on to some baseball. How about that? Fucking Blue Jays season opener. That was wild. So I went to the bar with my jersey on here in Windsor, where I'm from. I didn't realize, like, this is the first time, I mean, COVID happened, whatever. I'm, I, like, I live close to Toronto, like, when I was living back home. So everyone's a Jays fan. You go to the bar and everyone's a Jays fan. Windsor is a Detroit Tigers town. So I'm yeah. sitting there at the bar with my Jays jersey on, and people are, like, pointing and laughing at me, being like, 7 nothing, 7 nothing." I make a video talking about Jose Barrios, who's been struggling with velocity issues all spring. 0.1 inning for opening day yeah. start. Like, that's just horrible. But then, you know, out. the tide started to turn. I kept telling people whenever they'd say something to me at the bar, it was like, we have the best offensive in the league. This is why we got the best offense in the league, because, you know, we're used to not having great pitching. Well, then all of a sudden, the looks started to stop. And we started yeah. the car way back. And then they that started Teoscar looking Homer, away. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was like by that time the Teoscar Homer hit, I was like standing there basically with my cock out being like, what do you guys <laughs> got to say now? <laughs> it <laughs> felt like a playoff game, eh? It did. Holy, it did. dude. And that it was, was cool nuts. because the building was packed. This is the first time for a lot of those players that the building, that's the first time the building's been packed at the Rogers Center since yeah. 2019. 
Take that wow. and 50,000. I think it was like 48,000 strong on, on opening day cheering for the Jays. That was It was just all around fun to watch. It was great. I hope not all 162 were like that. They had another fucking wild one today. But um, yeah, I, I, it was... I got no, I got no, I mean, I have issues with the Jose Barrios velocity issues. I never like to see that with a pitcher, especially when we just signed him for four more years. But that opening day game was electric, boys. Electric. Electric. You think a good year ahead of them? You think they got what it takes to, uh, you know, go all the way kind of thing? Yep. To go all the way, Barrios needs to figure it out. They need, they need two pitchers at least in the playoffs that they can rely on for wins. But Barrios needs to, but I think he's got it. He's, I mean, he's a fucking. He's a warrior. That guy has never missed an MLB start, if you didn't know. So, yep. Dude, I think an underrated play that I thought was hilarious. How about Louis Rivera giving Hernandez the wave around for the for the, the go-ahead run when the ball was already at the cutoff, man? I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I thought he blew the stop sign when I when when they showed the camera of him just dude, they they showed the hit, right? I forget who who, who the hit was from, but Guriel. Was it a Guriel hit? Guriel with the hit, yeah, because yeah, he must have been third, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So that Guriel hit down the third baseline. They show the camera shows the left fielder throwing it in, and it's in the air. It's in the air. They cut. Hernandez isn't even at third. He's coming in the third, making the round around third, and he's just barreling it. I'm like, you just blew a fucking stop sign. Free out. And then, uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, uh, it was just a bad tag, and he was on the wrong side of the plate. The catcher. I mean, and Bro, minor league ball. They right got there. the. They had to overturn the call though because, dude, I was like, what? The, it would have been an out though. Like, yeah. and then they showed the replay. It was Louis Rivera sending him, just gambling. What? Oh my god, what an animal! I love it. But let's say Louis. Louis got fucking nuts of steel. He's been doing that for years for yeah, the Jays, dude. Say. I'm telling you, that guy's got nuts of steel, Louis Rivera. Yeah, I can't lie though. It was a horrible. It was a horrible wave. Terrible, horrible wave. But yeah, at that point in the game, incredible gamble, and it turned out. He looks like a fucking genius now. <laughs> he looks like a genius, and that catcher looks like an absolute bum. Yeah, Walk yeah. the plate, dude. The, you, you got the ball five seconds yeah. before T. Oscar was there. <laughs> this guy's standing in the fucking uh, left-hander's batter's box. What are you yeah, doing? He had to shuffle a little bit for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah dude, like, they're allowed to block the plate. Like, just put your fucking I leg down. Rules the now. I was, Isn't there rules, like blocking plate rules? But like, well, there, I, there is, he, but there isn't. Like, as, lo- as long as his body's plate, not though. in it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He, yeah. he should have shuffled a little bit, 100%. He thought he, he was confident with that tag, eh? Yeah, he was. Holy yeah, shit. Was. How about we uh, move on to a little bit of other uh, Toronto sports as well? Like, you guys want to talk about the Raptors there clinching the playoffs? That was fucking Dude, I got, and, nothing and, uh, I got nothing no, I- to add to the Raptors except for the fact that Siakam is still an animal, bro. Well, you think they got what it takes to uh, go all the way this year? Okay, no. I don't know about all the way, yeah, but, but, but they – hey. They don't have that superstar, eh? Like Siakam's unreal, but he's not that uh, Kawhi Leonard kind of guy they need. A uh, couple, maybe Eastern Conference Finals would be a great would be a great year. But but once you're there, you kind of want them to go further. So I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like up in the air. The Raptors, who fucking knows what they could do, right? They could be the best team on on the fucking planet for like they could just fucking choke. You know what I mean? But they're not favorites by any means. Is what I'm saying. They locked in. They locked in a chance to play the 76ers in the first round. And last week, I was saying if I could pick one team in the East to play in the first round, it would be the 76ers because I think they could beat them. They went they in. Them. I was gonna say, and they had no Fred, no OG. Yeah, and they still beat them. Like, dude, I'm telling yeah. you, James Harden is not the player that he once was. There's already rumblings that he wants out of Philadelphia in the offseason, which is just wild to me that this guy is doing this again. He's not playing well. I honestly think the Raptors take this series against the Philadelphia 76ers. I still am belief that the Celtics and the Bucks 
cause him just too much issue. Too much issue. But but one thing about them clinching, it's not going to happen, but Nick Nurse deserves a coach of the year this year. He deserves to be named coach of the year no matter what. At one point, I've said this before, he was rolling with a seven-man rotation. And if you look at it, he's gotten the best out of Siakam. He's gotten the best out of Precious Achua. Thaddeus Young, he's even gotten a ton of since he came to Toronto. Gary Trent Jr. having his best season of all time. OG Ananobi when he's in the lineup. Great. Scotty Barnes, maybe the best rookie in the league. If you don't think that's Nick Nurse instilling that confidence, like I don't, you you can't tell me that it's not. I think Nick Nurse, he's never going to get it. I think he deserves coach of the year. Regardless, the fact that the Raptors aren't in the plan, and if they win a round, coach of the year, no doubt in my mind. 100%. I like that take. Great coach. Yep. Guy's a beauty. Yep. What about uh, the Masters? You guys been following any of that? Like, uh, I made a little pick there, but uh, it uh, did not work out for me. So I'm not even going to. I'm going to talk about that one. <laughs> I'll gamble on golf. I won't watch it, though. I'll gamble on yeah. it. I won't watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Tiger Woods is back. I was going to say, you know what? It was kind of, it was getting sad watching Tiger there. <laughs> Yesterday and today, he's like looking up. He's looking for balls, and he's barely walk, and he can't really bend down to read the putts, and he's bogeying all over the place, and he's slashing it around. So it's kind of tough to watch Tiger. I think he rushed it back just to be here for the Masters. He probably should have waited till St Andrews. I believe that's a British Open. Should have waited till then, and then it's a nice flat course, not as much walking. Give him a couple extra weeks, whatever. But I just got the notification through on my phone. Scotty Scheffler ran away with it, got the dub for the tournament. I had Justin Thomas. Um, to win, I think he was top 10 finish. So whatever, if you pick a guy to win the masters and he finishes in the top 10, I'm never going to call that a loss. But at the same point, Scotty Scheffler is the best golfer in the world right now. I think he's on the same kind of run that Dustin Johnson was on last year or the year before, if you guys remember where he won like three out of five tournaments and he won the FedEx cup playoffs and he was, and he won the masters wire to wire. Like dude, it's, it's, Pretty cool what Scotty Scheffler's doing right now. Congratulations to Scotty winning the Masters, getting that green jacket. Right on. Yeah, I had Cameron Smith and uh didn't work out for me. So he was he was in the final group today. Yeah. 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 He his yeah. odds weren't that great though. I think he was kind of expected at the beginning to do all right. And I don't really follow the golf all that closely. So I was like, I'm not gonna go with some huge underdog, I'm gonna go with someone that looks decent on there. Yeah. And I just threw a few humble bucks on there and didn't uh, go go too well for me this time, but UFC made up for it last night going uh, seven right there on picks. So damn and, right. Uh, we'll be, we'll be doing that again in the future. So make sure to uh, be looking for those UFC picks in the near future. But uh, you had uh, some betting trends you wanted to talk about there, DK. Well, so this is just me being a degenerate. The Jays games, I'm going to be betting Jays overs all season long. I may put 162 bets in all on the over in the Jays game. I just, I think it was 12-6 today. 12-6. I think the over-under was eight and a half. Like it was done in the first inning. Like it would, the over had hit in like, by, or sorry, in the first, by like the fourth inning, the over had hit. So one of the things that I'm going to be doing, that's a complete degenerate move. I don't, I don't say, I will never say tail this, 162 straight games, your boy is going to be on the over in the Jays game. Also, I think the Leafs have 14 games left in the season or 12 games left in the season right now, betting Austin Matthews to score a goal and betting Mitch Marner to have an assist every single game. And that includes the playoffs. The rest of the season, I am having 160 now, well now it's 159 
bets on the Jays overs. And I will have, if the Leafs make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I will have 40 bets in a row. Marner to get an assist, Matthews to get a goal. Just look at the trends. Go up and look at the stats yourself. They're unbelievable. I think that those hit more often than not. Pure degenerate move to just absolutely put your foot in the sand and say, I'm going to do it. That's my degenerate picks for today. Right on. Stewie, got any final picks before we uh, wrap up here? Um, No, nothing new really, to be honest. Uh, keep an eye out every Saturday in the Bucks on Nux IG. Stewie Saturdays, baby. I'm one for one. I'm making <laughs> some good parlays. <laughs> Right on, get those picks in. And uh, that does it for another episode of Bucks on Nux. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and also to check out the other podcasts on showbile.com. And if you can't be cool, be careful. And if you can't be good, be good at it. <laughs>